Welcome to the 90th episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Today we're here to discuss UFC 283. This is going to be your standard preview. We're going to talk the fight, um, what I'm looking forward to, and I'm going to give a little breakdown who I think is going to win, and I will also talk about betting as well. Um, so we're going to kind of cover all the bases here um, in terms of what you can expect from a preview. Um, so no matter what you like, um, we've got it here. Now, um, to start it off, we're going to start right at the main event. Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. This is a very interesting fight. Okay. Um, I really like Jamal Hill as a fighter. Um, I am partially biased towards Jamal Hill um, simply because he is from Michigan. I am from Michigan. Uh, so I will always be rooting for Jamal Hill. But from an unbiased standpoint, I do think he is a very good fighter. And I do think he has serious um, championship level talent, especially on the feet. He has very good hands, uh, lots of speed, lots of power, good length. Um, but he also has some really underrated tools on the feet as well. He has good kicks. Uh, he's not bad from the Muay Thai clinch either. So he can, he can strike from a lot more positions than a lot of people think. Uh, but ultimately, it is that boxing. It is that power in his hands. It is that ability to find a big shot. Um, he's also a little bit more technical, like I said, with some of those other traits. But he can also switch stances fairly well, too, a lot better than a lot of light heavyweights. Um, so that is another thing that I like out of Jamal Hill. And for Glover Teixeira, Glover Teixeira is someone who I have a lot of respect for. Um, first of all, the, the obvious reason is because he's a 43-year-old. He won a belt in his 40s, and he has accomplished a lot in the sport of MMA. Um, I love that. But the reason that I think so highly of Glover Teixeira is because I love the way that he approaches his grappling, right? Um, a lot of people, I feel like when they analyze this fight, they just say, well, Glover Teixeira is the better grappler here, but they don't really explain uh, what makes him such a good grappler. What Teixeira has been able to do um, in terms of evolving his ground game is very impressive. Um, he is a legit, you know, BJJ practitioner, right? And he is a legit good wrestler, right? Um, there's a lot of guys, right? I'm not saying Glover Teixeira is the only fighter out there that actually has a balance of BJJ and wrestling. But it is not as common as you would think, right? Someone like Aljamain Sterling, who is a really good wrestler, goes out there, gets takedowns, is very good at taking the back. You know, someone like Habib or Islam or Umar, all those guys as well, have legit level takedowns and can pass guard and find submissions. So I'm not saying Glover Teixeira is the only one with this balance of BJJ and wrestling, but his ability to go out there and get a takedown. And once he's on top, he mixes his ground and pound with his submissions, and he can do damage and kind of wear on you. Even if he doesn't land a submission, he lands elbows, he lands ground and pound shots, right? Um, you know, even at a minimum, he's digging his forehead right into your chin, and he's making you feel uncomfortable, and he's making you tired. That is something that is a little bit underrated in terms of his skill set. People will just say he's a good grappler. Uh, but really, the levels of his grappling and the way that, the ways that he mixes 
or that sounded terrible. The way he mixes his BJJ and wrestling, I absolutely love from just a strategic standpoint because I think that is a, the way to approach the grappling game when a lot of people see it as, oh, I use my GJ, BJJ to counter this, or I use my wrestling to do this. No, in reality, it's who can pick the best parts of wrestling and who can pick the best parts of jujitsu and who can take those things and kind of put them together in a puzzle to come up with the best ground game. That's something that Glover Teixeira has done very well, so I respect him a lot for that. On the feet, he is very underrated, right? He has good boxing offensively. I think there are some defensive holes in the way that he strikes. He gets hit a lot and and way too often. And I think that is just an athleticism issue, right? You know, he's not as good with his reaction time. It's not like he doesn't know how to move his head. I think sometimes he just reacts a little bit too slow or it's just not quick enough. And that is a little bit to do with the fact that he's 43, but that has also kind of been his career um, as well. That isn't, you know, something that kind of happened when he got old. He's been kind of dealing with this when he was younger as well. But, you know, when you're older, it, that problem does get a little bit worse. Um, so, but if Glover is able to put his hands on you, he can do a lot of power or he can, he can, he can do a lot of damage because he has very underrated power in his hands. Hence why he wobbled, uh, Yuri Prohaska pretty badly in their fight, and he hurt some other guys on the feet as well. Jan Blachowicz, he got Jan Blachowicz, uh very bad, and I think he does a little bit better up against the fence. You know, when he has you corralled up against the fence, he he does a really good job of picking up volume and being opportunistic in that moment, and then, you know, if the going gets tough while he's striking up against the cage, he can always come in for a takedown as well from that position. So, um, I will say say this. This is one thing in this matchup that I'm I'm not really too, actually two things that I'm not too sure about is how is Jamal Hill going to do against the grappling because I think Jamal Hill has good grappling. Um, will Jamal Hill be able to continuously defend takedowns without getting tired? If he does get taken down, can he get back to the feet while avoiding submissions? Once again. That takes a lot of energy. Will he get tired? So those are kind of my questions here in this bout. I, I think if Jamal Hill can prove to at least be, you know, he doesn't have to do, he doesn't have to be perfect on the ground. He just has to be manageable. He has to be manageable enough to where he can keep this fight standing and land those strikes on the feet because he does have a knack, a knack for landing those power shots and he does have lethal power. Um, if you're to look at Glover's opponents, Jamal Hill has more power than a large portion of them, especially uh, in his more recent stretch of fights. You know, obviously, I'm not saying Jamal Hill has more power than Anthony Smith, but uh, or excuse me, not Anthony Smith, Anthony Johnson. But with that being said, he does have more power than someone um, like Anthony Smith. That is another good example of Jamal Hill has more power than him. Now, um, the thing that really I would really like to say about this fight is I think that I think that this is actually the worst matchup for Jamal Hill in the upper portion of that of the light heavyweight division. Um, I, I said I think Jamal Hill will win a title um, eventually one day, 
And part of my thought process behind that, which we may be able to uh, get right on that prediction, I believe I said that uh, before he was ranked or when he just uh, jumped into the rankings. I'm not exactly sure. I don't have the best memory, but it was relatively early, quite a while ago. Um, not really going to pat myself too hard on the back because, like I said, I am biased in his favor. So it has worked out favorable for me uh, so far. But with that being said, I think that Glover Teixeira is one of the worst matchups that you could give Jamal Hill. Because I think in a lot of other matchups, he could find success and it wouldn't be as big. I wouldn't be as concerned. Um, honestly, I do think Jamal Hill would have, would beat Yuri Prohoshka, and I, and I would be more confident in saying that. I think that Yuri Prohoshka has the, some defensive liabilities, and I think Jamal Hill would be able to capitalize on that, and I wouldn't have to worry about the grappling as badly as you do with someone like Glover Teixeira. Uh, Magomed Ankalaev, I think, is a, an interesting matchup, and maybe he could go out there and outgrapple Jamal Hill as well. But someone like Jan Blachowicz, for example, right? I think Jamal Hill beats Jan Blachowicz easier than he does Glover Teixeira. So I do think this is a tough matchup for uh, Jamal Hill. And the last thing uh, before I give my prediction and we break into betting um, is I, I do th- I am interested to see how many times Glover attempts takedowns and how committed he is to that ground game. Um, if I were his coaches, I would say he should be working to get the fight to the ground a lot because even if he even even if he's not coming out on top in all of these grappling scenarios, you know as long as he's not getting you know dominated in the grappling, which I don't expect that to be the case. But um, even if Jamal Hill, if he's making Jamal Hill work, um, I ultimately think that is a positive sign if you're to, to share it and you can hopefully pull ahead in the later rounds. Um, with that being said, my prediction for this fight is I think Jamal Hill gets it done. I think he's able to land some land some jabs and start and start putting one twos on Glover. And I think he's able to find some check hooks and some counter hooks when this fight is, you know, when Glover is coming in. So I think he's able to land a lot of powerful shots, and I think he can land a variety of shots. Um, I don't think at 43, coming off an absolute war, I, I just question how much Glover Teixeira has left in the tank. And if he's even close to E, Jamal Hill is the type of guy that will take advantage of that, right? Um, it's... You know, Jamal Hill isn't the type of guy that you want to fight if you're going to have your first big chin issue or if your chin is going to start deteriorating. Jamal Hill isn't the guy you want to fight. And I know we have not seen this from Glover yet. However, he is 43, coming off an absolute war. So I I do think that chin will be a little bit deteriorated and Jamal Hill will eventually be able to find a KO. Um, I'll take it in the second round, but I do think um, it will come later in that second round or in that third round. With that being said, I could easily sit here and pick Glover Teixeira. I easily could tell you that Glover Teixeira could take him down, hold him down, and eventually find a submission. Um, If someone were to say that to me, I would not argue with them. I would understand their exact viewpoint, and and I wouldn't really disagree too much. 
Um, ultimately, I think we're looking at a close fight here that, you know, someone's going to look dominant in this fight, I, I, I do think. I think one of the two dominant outcomes will happen. Um, I just think it's going to be Hill that comes out on top of this one. Now, from a betting perspective, I would not... Um, I would not bet this line straight at minus one forty six, right? I, I, I think it's too I, I don't I think it's too wide there. I I think if you're gonna fight if you're gonna take this fight straight up, you have to take it on the plus money side. Um I I, I get why Jamal Hill is the favorite, but I don't like taking favorites that are at a grappling disadvantage, right? So I will pick him in this fight, but I I don't think I can bet it at minus one forty six. That uh, price is just not appealing enough for how close this fight is going to be. With that being said, um, I don't think Glover plus one or plus one fourteen is a bad bet at all. Um, I think that is the better side. Like I said, this is going to be a close fight. I can really see either fighter winning this. Um, like I said once again, I'm picking Jamal Hill. But if if you have to. Um, pick on a close fight like this, I think it's better to be on the side of the dog. Now, um, some methods of victory, right? I, I, I've started to lean away taking methods of victory, but um, if you're going to take Jamal Hill, I think you may as well take the take him to win by KO at minus 105. I think that you probably don't have to worry too much uh, about that submission or about the points. Um, I think if Jamal Hill were to land a submission, it would be from him a, a similar position to how Yuri landed his. However, when you look at Hill's fight with Tiago Santos, he didn't opt to try and land a submission. He he went to the ground and pound instead. So I do think if, if Hill's in that type of position, he goes back to the ground and pound. So I wouldn't even worry about the submission. The points is an interesting um, thought process, but once again, um, even if you look at that Yuri fight, that Yuri fight was getting dragged out between Glover and Yuri, and Glover was up 3-1 going into round five, so I, I have a hard time taking that as well. And ultimately, you know, I think if Jamal Hill wins this fight by KO, you know, he could lose four rounds and get it in the fifth round, you know what I mean? He could be landing one, two, three, four uh, big shots around, but he could be, you know, in bottom position for three minutes of a round, and they give the round to Glover, especially in Brazil. I don't know what the judging situation is going to look like, but I'm not overly optimistic that we're going to have the rightful winner in every single fight. Um, I do think some hometown judging may be cooking, and that is not an indictment on Brazilian judges. It happens everywhere, uh, probably even worse in other spots, especially places like England. Um, now, uh, when, when, um, oh, back to the original point I was making, um, Jamal Hill could land a knockdown and then be on in bottom position for three to four, five, four minutes of a round and, and lose that round. And that could happen two or three times. And then he could eventually land that KO in the later rounds. So ultimately, I think if you're taking Jamal Hill, you may as well just take him to win by KO at minus one Oh five. Um, and then the play that I do have on this fight that I do like is the over round and a half. Um, I think that that is an aggressive line for any fight around and a half. Um, and, and I get the thought process here. We're sitting at minus 122 on the over and minus 106 on the under. 
I do I do have the over because I think ultimately in that first round we will see a little bit of feel of feeling out process. And I think we'll see a little bit of Yuri testing the grappling. And I don't think the first shot that Jamal Hill lands puts him out, right? I think it's going to take a couple. He's going to have to wear on him a little bit before he ultimately lands a big shot that puts him out. So, I, I like I said, I, I did pick Jamal Hill by second round uh, t- uh, knockout. But I am going to take the over in this fight. Um, and that over also accounts for... Glover Teixeira going out there and grounding Jamal Hill and um, trying to control some position on the ground as well. So I do like the over, and I did make a play on the over. Um, Any other bet here that I'd like? How fight ends, minus 160 KO, plus 220 submission. Um, That's, I wouldn't touch that. Decision, no bet. Um... This is a good spot for... Actually, it's not that good of a spot for Jamal Hill. Decision no bet because we can get submissions um, from Teixeira. So I wouldn't get too crazy um, with anything else. Um, So I'm just taking the over here. Um, And I'm not going to give you a play on every single fight. There's some fights that should not uh, be bet with a 10-foot pole. And I'll tell you that when we get to those fights. But for this one, this main event, I do have the over. Okay, um, now moving on to the co-main event. Brandon Moreno versus Divison Figueredo for the fourth time we are seeing this fight. Um, from a from a you know technical standpoint and, and in the X's and O's, I have a hard time sitting here and giving you an honest opinion on fighter skill sets and what I predict these fighters to do. Because these two have fought three times and we've seen three different fights. So it would be so, it'd be pretty dumb of me to sit here and tell you this is how I think this fight's going to go. Because we, we've seen these three fight three times. And for the most part, all three of these fights have A, been different. And B, they've been different from the common thought, right? Uh, for example, in the first fight, it was Figueredo's going to run through Moreno. In the second fight, it was last one's a draw, but Mer- you know Figueredo won. Uh, if there isn't a nut shot, so um, I'll take I'll take Figgy, but the but it's going to be a close fight. Moreno goes out there and finishes him, and then coming off the finish, you know the the narrative was well maybe Moreno has cracked the code, but also Figueroa was dealing with the sickness and all this stuff, and um, that was ultimately a close fight, and we did get a close fight on these scorecards. So I, I'm not going to sit here and try and break down what I think each fighter needs to do. But um, the one thing that does stand out to me that I think will be present in this fight and has been present in the first three fights is the speed versus power. Um, Dewey Simpicaredo has more power by a mile, and Brandon Moreno is much faster. So whoever can implore that strength to the best of their ability will win this fight. If, if Figueredo can really sit down and land some powerful punches, he will win this fight because when he lands, it does damage. Uh, on the flip side, if Moreno was able to enter the pocket, land a 1-2, get out of the pocket, um, slip power shots, and land some shots to the body, and, and do these types of things that you need to be quicker to do, um, I think that will be very beneficial for Moreno. Um, the one technical thing that I, I do think I'm interested to see here is the leg kick of Figueredo. In that in that third fight, 
Deveson landed a lot of a lot of leg kicks, and Moreno was heavy on that front leg. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see if we will see a a switch in in the stance of Moreno. If Moreno will be a little bit li- lighter on that lead leg, and how will that affect his ability to get in and out of the pocket? How will that affect his fighting style and his abilities? If he's switching his stance a little bit, um, and for and if he's not, um, is Figueredo going to be attacking that as much as he did previously? And will it be as effective as it was in that third fight? So that's one thing technically um, that I'll be looking at. Now, um, another thing that is really interesting to me is the gym switch, right? So there's a lot of factors on that. I think this fight, more than any actually, has more external factors that don't really have to directly do with fighting, but impact your performance in the cage, right? It's not who has the better jab or who's the better wrestler, but who who's doing the things better outside of the cage, I think has, has been talked about in this fight more than a lot of fights, right? So as far as the gym switches go, Moreno has switched gyms. He went from Entram, I think, for the first two, and then he switched over to James Krause for the third, I believe. I may have my timelines a little bit mixed up there. Um, but I believe he was the first two were at Entram, and then the Figueredo three and the Kaikara France fight. I believe those two were at Krause. If I'm wrong, then the second, third, and France fights were at, at Krause at Glory MMA and Fitness. Uh, but, I, but I think I've got the timeline right. Obviously, with Glory MMA and Fitness um, going, I don't, I, I guess they're not out of business, but UFC fighters can't train there. So Brandon Moreno will be at Fortis MMA with Saif Sayud. Um, on the contrary, Divison Figueredo uh, was training at Fight Ready, and now he is going up. And he's training at his own gym in Brazil called Team Figueiredo. Now, when I look at that situation, what I see is I see Moreno in in the advantage there um, in terms of that out of the cage situation because I, I think Saif Sayud is a good head coach and I think that is more beneficial to Moreno, uh, that switch. I think he, you could make the argument that that he upgraded with his coaching change. And on the flip side, when you are looking at, um, um, when you're looking at Figueredo or Figueredo switch, he's leaving fight ready. And I, I think that's a negative, right? I don't really care where you go. I view fight ready as one of the premier gyms in America. So if you're leaving that camp, um, that I don't view as beneficial regardless of where you go, especially when you had a good performance at Fight Ready in your last fight and you had a good game plan in that fight. So I think that is a negative for Figueredo. Similarly, Moreno is younger. He, I believe, is six years younger. I believe they're 29 and 35 with Moreno being the younger fighter. Um, So in theory, he is the one that is more likely to make improvements heading into this bout. Uh, In addition, fighting is usually, you know, in trilogies and rematches, it usually swings, right? So um, one fighter will have success in in one fight, and then it will swing the other way in the second fight and then swing back in the third. Um, So um, in this fight, Figueredo, 
you know, they tied the first time, but Figueredo did win three of the five rounds. So we'll say first first fight was a little bit in Figueredo's favor. Second fight swung in Moreno's favor heavy. Third fight swings back in Figueredo's favor. And now in this fourth fight, fourth fight doesn't swing back towards Moreno. Um, I, I do think historical trends would tell you yes, at least a little bit. So I do think that is also something to consider. And then the one kind of out of the cage thing that I do like for Figueredo is that he's in Brazil, right? I, I, I touched on it in the last fight. Um, I do think that could help him on these scorecards if it's close. And I do think this will be a close fight. So um, if you're keeping track there, um, a lot of my, you know, out of the cage, positives and negatives, a lot of those went to Moreno. So I'm going to pick Moreno here. I think he has more on his side going into this bout. And I'm going to take Moreno by decision. <clears throat> now, when we hop over to the betting preview of things, um, I will say I, I don't have a bet on this fight. So just keep that in mind as I run through these. I do not have a bet here. Now, um, I do think this line is interesting. Plus 102 Figueredo plus, or excuse me, minus 130 for Moreno. Once again, I think this is the position where this is such a close fight. I don't think you can be on the minus 130 in comparison to the plus 102. Um, I think this fight should probably be split even minus 110 um, on both sides with... If I had to line this fight, I would probably line it at, at, at a pick em. If I had to put a favorite on the line, I would probably put Figueredo as the favorite. So I don't really agree with the line that is currently set. Um, um, I do think there has been quite a bit of line movement. I think Figueredo was originally an underdog in the same area, around plus 105. And then it got closer to a pick em, Then it went back in Figueredo's favor. Now, um, in terms of methods of victory, I think you've got to be a little bit crazy uh, to bet a method of victory. If you can hit, that's good. But I don't like taking methods of victory when I can easily see each fighter winning by any single method of victory. I could, I could explain how Moreno wins by knockout decision or sub, and I could explain why I think Figueredo could win by knockout decision or sub. Right, all six outcomes are on the table. <coughs> so, um, I'm not, you know, taking a, a method of victory with a ten foot pole. I think you're just kind of, you know, you're rolling a die at that point, and I don't think it's worth it. Um, now, Figueredo to win by submission at plus a thousand. If you're gonna take one, that's the one to take. Um, but still, I don't do not like it. Um, now, talking the over under and the fight to go to the distance. Um, fight to go to the dis fight to go the distance is minus one thirty four, and it not to go the distance is plus one hundred two. With the total set at four and a half, with the over at minus one forty eight, and the under at plus one sixteen. This is another one where. I think it's tough. I think it's, I think realistically, I think this goes to the, to a decision. With that being said, 
Um, uh, I'm not laying minus 134 on this one going to a decision. I just can't justify that price, uh, especially in a five-round fight, right? In a five-round fight where both guys have the ability to go out there and get a submission. And both guys have the ability to get a knockout. And one of them is the hardest puncher in the division. Um, I, I think it's goofy to get antsy here and take that minus 135 for the fight to go by deci- to go to a decision. Once again, um, plus 102 is the better play, but I don't think that I can justifiably take either of those bets. So I don't have a, a betting play on Moreno and Figueredo. Moving on. Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. Um, I think Gilbert Burns beats the absolute crap out of Neil Magny. And if we weren't on YouTube, I would have said something other than crap. Uh, But I do have this podcast registered as not explicit, which probably shouldn't have done that. But here we are. Uh, Now, Gilbert Burns, he... I, I, I just simply think that he's a better mixed martial artist. He's better everywhere. Neil Magny's thing is that he's a tough, well-rounded fighter. But Gilbert Burns is also well-rounded, but he has more elite skills, right? He's got better striking. He's got better boxing. He's got better power. He's got better Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The only thing that Neil, Mag- Neil Magny has in this fight that I do like is his length, and he still doesn't use his length that great. Um, and he is tough as just about anyone on the roster. And I love that out of fighters as well. But it gets to a point where toughness can only overcome so much of a skill gap. And I do not think that that will be applicable in this one because I do not think Gilbert Burns is going to wear out in a three-round fight. Uh, so, I, so I will be taking Gilbert Burns here. And I'm going to take him by knockout in the second round. Um, third round, uh, excuse me. But and, and the reasoning for that is because I do think he beats up on, on Magny for uh, a while before he, he is able to land a finish. I think he gets to that finish, but I do think it takes him a minute, right? He Neil Magny is a very, very tough guy, and this finish will not come easy. Gilbert Burns will have to land a lot, a lot uh, of strikes to find a finish in this one. So my pick is Burns knockout round three. Uh, betting wise, obviously never lay minus 500 straight on any fight ever. Um, I, I do have Gilbert Burns in a parlay at minus 500 though. I do think he is a pretty good parlay piece as long as you're not like expecting him to, you know, you, you know what you're getting here. If this is the minus 500 that you want in your parlay. Um, I, I don't think Whit Magny has a ton of win upside. So I do think this is a relatively safe parlay piece. Once again, he's minus 500. That's not really a surprise. And that isn't adding a ton of value to your, um, to your parlay. Um, but it is a nice little chunk to throw in there just to make it a little longer. Um, this is another one where they really try to get you betting. Will the fight go the distance? Yes, plus 108. No, minus 142. And to me, 
that is just purely do you think that Neil Magny will be able to survive? Um, I I said no. When I when I was asked that question, I said no, right? I, I just gave you my pick. I don't think he survives. However, I do like that plus 108, but um, I pick fights and then um, I look at betting lines, right? I'm not straight fights, right? I look at betting lines not on purpose, but because you see them everywhere, right? You're the first, the second that John Jones and Surreal Gang got booked, you open Twitter and the first thing you see is John Jones is an underdog plus 160 at betonline.ag. And it's like, well, that's a silly line. And uh, I opened up uh, my app, not on betonline.ag, but um, I opened up my resident sports betting app and bet on John Jones as the line has moved and he's a favorite. But now we're getting off track, getting back on track. Um, this is the type of spot for me. I do like burn. I do like this fight to go the distance at plus 108 just because Neil Magny is so tough. However, I'm not going to bet that line because ultimately um, when I made a prediction for this fight, I said that Gilbert Burns gets that finish. So I'm not going to let that plus 108 number uh, alter my view on this fight. And I'm not going to force a play here on will the fight go the distance um, just because I like the price that they're giving me. <clears throat> um, Gilbert Burns to win by KO or submission at minus 125. Similarly, um, I wouldn't really bet this because even though I do think he wins by KO, how much more value, right? You might as well just give up the uh, thir- the not 13, the 5, 6, 7, the 17 um, points there and take the fight not to go the distance um, just in the case that Neil Magny does something crazy. Um so that is probably the um, advice I would give you there. Outside of that, um, over under, <clears throat> I do think the over two point five at minus one hundred eight. Obviously, you're giving up some money, but I think if I think if um, I think if you're gonna bet this fight to go to the decision. Will this fight go the distance plus 108? Um, so I think if you're going to bet this fight to go to a decision at plus 108, you may as well take the over two and a half rounds at minus 108. You're giving up some value, yes. Um, that is not ideal to give up some value. But ultimately, um, I think if Gilbert Burns gets a finish, it's in that third round. So I think that, you know, last two and a half minutes of this fight will will be important. Um, and I think you may as well give up, you know, 10 bucks to take two and a half minutes off your over sweat. Um, so I do think that would be um, a beneficial move if you're if that's the angle that you're trying to bet this fight. Now, moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, Jessica Andrade versus Lucky Lauren Murphy. Um, this fight's pretty interesting as well. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll bury the lead here on my betting 
thought process. I think this fight's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, Andrade minus 500 to Murphy plus 380. Um, I think we're going to see a lot closer fight than that. I, I do. Um, in comparison, if you're asking me to pick which minus 500 um, we're looking at here, I, I think Gilbert Burns, for example. Gilbert Burns uh, wins more dominantly than Jessica Andrade. Um, Lauren Murphy is gets disrespected often because she... I think it's because she isn't like what you imagine in an MMA fighter, right? She's a little bit older, but she has these traits that just keep her in it. She's so much physically stronger than a lot of her opponents. She's so much more durable and so much tougher than a lot of her opponents that she can go out there and really handle a lot of these fighters that she's fighting. Um, With that being said, uh, she hasn't fought anyone the quality of Andrade in a significant period of time. Um, I believe she, I looked earlier, she's 6-1 in her last seven. And the one loss in there was to Valentina Shevchenko. So obviously, Shevchenko is obviously better than Andrade. However, she did lose that fight. So she hasn't beat someone of a caliber of Andrade probably ever in her career. Now, um, I don't think she can't win this fight. I, I do think this fight will be close, and I think the difference maker here will will be the speed of Andrade, right? A, a lot of the times, a lot of the time when we see fighters lose to Lauren Murphy, it's, you know, they're quicker than Lauren, but they're not like, they're not as, as athletic as Jessica Andrade or they're not as physically as strong as Jessica Andrade. Andrade is a strong uh, fighter as, as well, um, just not as strong as Lauren Murphy. So, like I said, I, I think that some of that, that experience and some of that physical strength will, will help Lauren Murphy make this fight close. It'll help her get in the clinch, and it'll help her hold Andrade up against the fence for periods of time. It'll help her um, do some damage and wear on Andrade a little bit. But ultimately, I don't think it is enough for her to get a win. Um, So I will take Andrade by decision. And like I said earlier, I am not... um, This is a a no-bet fight for me. We've got Andrade on the book that I'm looking at here. She's minus 530. So I I don't think that's a good parlay piece. um, Because I do think Lauren Murphy has more of a chance than people are giving her. And methods of victory, um, Andrade by points plus 140, Andrade by KO, TKO plus 170. Can't can't pull the trigger on either of those. I think we're looking at 50-50s there. I think it's one of those two outcomes, um, but I, I wouldn't, um, I don't think it's possible to be comfortable enough to bet either of those. Um, but if I were to force to bet one, like I said, I would take her by points at plus 140, but ultimately this fight is not one that I'm looking to bet on. Uh, will the fight go the distance? Yes, minus 102. No, minus 128. With the over set at two and a half rounds. Uh, once again, 
Um, I, I do like that over line uh, of over two and a half, and I like the fight to go the distance at minus 102. However, I'm not um, going to play that while um, you're fighting Andrade, right? I, I don't think that is a good bet to make. Um, Andrade is a finisher, and while I don't think this fight gets finished, it's just not a smart play in my mind. Um, and now I've pointed out lines in the last two fights where I'm like, yeah, you can take this, but I'm not going to. Um, both all of those those will probably hit now that I'm not taking them and I said that I like them. And now that I've now that I'm actually giving out bets on the podcast, I bet none of the things that I do take will hit since I've been expressing them um, out loud. But that's how uh, things go. Now, um, Paul Craig and Johnny Walker. Paul Craig and Johnny Walker. This is just like every single other Paul Craig fight. Can Paul Craig get it to the ground? And can he get it to the ground long enough to where he lands a submission? However, I do think there is a wrinkle there because I do think that Craig could put up a little bit of a fight with Johnny Walker on the feet just because Johnny Walker's chin is not great, obviously. So that may play a factor um, in this one. Now, here, I, I, I would say that Johnny Walker is going to be a tough guy to get down. Uh, Paul Craig doesn't have the best offensive wrestling. And I think, that, I think that Walker is good enough on the ground to at least stay safe. And on the feet, he will have a lot of rangy tools like a jab and a straight and a teep and his kicks. He can use all of those things to land strikes. Um, without entering on the inside. Obviously, if a kick gets caught, that is risky. But otherwise, um, I think he can do a lot of good things on the outside and land here. Um, So I'm taking Walker, and I'm taking him to win this fight by KO in round two. I think ultimately he lands here and is able to finish Paul Craig. Now, the line here, Paul Craig plus 160, Johnny Walker minus 200. I don't think you should ever lay minus 200 on Johnny Walker. And you should never, ever, ever put Johnny Walker at minus 200 in a parlay. Um, I think both of those are bad decisions because Johnny Walker is just a fighter that figures out how to lose. So that's not a guy I want to put my money on. Now, um, method of victory, if you're going to take Paul Craig... You might as well take Paul Craig by submission at plus 300. Eh, plus 300, yeah. Yeah, you're getting another 140 points on that to go and um, ex- exclude the the points, which he's not going to win by decision, and the slim chance that he wins by knockout. So I do think that if you bet Craig, you might as well just go all the way and bet that plus 300. Like I said, I do not see that happening. And... Um, I would not um, bet on that, but if you think Paul Craig wins by submission, there's no reason to take that plus 160 line because the alternative options are not there enough to justify that um, large of a swing to plus 300 for the fight outcome prop. Now, um, next, next, will the fight go the distance? Yes, plus 490, no. Minus 800, I don't think the fight goes the distance, and I'm not betting. Minus 800, that's even dumber. If I want to lay that much, I'll take Jelton Almeida in a minute. Um, 
So we're not doing that at all. And I accidentally just closed out of my betting app. Nice. Uh, it's all right. We got it back. Uh, moving on to the next flight. We are going to start to pick up the pace here because um, these flights start to get a little one-sided and they start to get a little less interesting um, in comparison to title fights and main card fights. Um, Mauricio Shogunhua and Ihor Potera. I'm not going to sit here and give you a spiel about how much I love Mauricio Shogunhua. Uh, first of all, because I am 21 years old and Mauricio Shogunhua's prime um, was largely taking place before I turned um, 10 years old for the most part. My math may be wrong. Um, he did some good work um, past, you know, that's a little bit, okay, that's a little bit of an ad exaggeration when I when I start to do the math together in my head and think about um, some timelines. But with that being said, still, I was not able to witness the prime of Shogun um, just purely because it happened before um, I was massively into MMA. Anyways, um, and any other show that you listen to will give you an hour and a half rundown of how cool Shogun is and how what he did in Pride is so cool, which I agree with, but you've heard it all before, so I'm not going to bore you with it. Um, Ihor Potera, 26 years old, not that great either. Um, I do think these are probably the two worst light heavyweights on the roster, unfortunately. I think they're trying to get uh, Shogun Hua on to exit the UFC with a win. However, with that being said, I do think that Shogun Hua is the worst heavyweight on the roster. Well, Potera is the second worst, unfortunately. So I'm going to be taking Potera by knockout in round two. Betting-wise, 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 you can't bet on this fight. Because you're either betting on Mauricio Shogun, who, who is, how old is Shogun? Let me Google that. Enjoy my t keyboard typing sounds. Um, Shogun's 41. You don't bet on 41-year-olds um, unless their name is Glover Teixeira. Or, how old, we're not going to Google how old everybody is. But, you know, if someone's not ranked and they're in their 40s, or if someone's ranked and they're in their 40s, 90% of the time, if someone's in their 40s, you don't bet on them. You also don't bet on absolutely crap fighters like Ihor Potera. But um, Ihor does have power, so I'll, I will I will give him that. He's got some skills. He's not as bad as I'm making, them out, I'm making him out to be. He just wasn't that great in his last fight. And I did hit on Nikolai Nigmarianu against him, so I am kind of... Um, I, I do think I have a, a decent read here on what Potera is as a fighter. Um, if you forced me to bet this fight, I'm probably taking the po Potera plus 125 to win by KO. That's probably the line that I would go with here. The fight not to go the distance is minus 330. That's not worth it. So Potero by KO at plus 125 is probably the bet if you forced me to try and find a decent bet on that fight. But like I said, that is a fight that you should not even entertain 
betting. Unless you want to like try and ride with Shogun in his last fight just for entertainment purposes or something. But other than that, I uh, don't see it. Gregory Rodriguez versus Bruno Ferreira. Um, Gregory Rodriguez is proving to be a very, very good fighter in this middleweight division. Um, this is unfortunate. Uh, this was not the original matchup, I don't think. Um, yeah. Rodriguez, Rodriguez was supposed to get Brad Tavares, and I don't think that Brad Tavares is ranked anymore, but he was ranked when the fight was booked. I think he just got hopped in the rankings uh, by somebody. But if he's not in that top 15, he's 16, 17, 18, somewhere in that range. So Gregory Rodriguez is really, really getting close to the, those rankings. And he is proving to be a good fighter. Um, with that being said, um, his fighting style is so scary. It's so entertaining. It's fun to watch but it is scary um it's it's go out there get hit and, and hit harder and have a better chin and be more durable and that's so fun to watch but in the long-term scope of things that is not really a path that you want to rely on because at some point you've taken too much damage it will happen there's a reason we saw Tony Ferguson fly down a cliff because his biggest weakness his whole career was his striking defense and he took too many strikes. Um, I just don't think it is a positive trait to have in your career is that you get hit too much and Gregory Rodriguez gets hit too much. And the thing that you probably don't know is Gregory Rodriguez has some of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu on the roster. He has won jiu-jitsu tournaments. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be a jiu-jitsu um, expertise or jiu-jitsu you know, lover because, frankly, I'm not. Uh, it's always been wrestling first for me personally, but he, he has some won some jiu-jitsu tournaments that are highly respected, and he is a great Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. He just doesn't use it, right? He just doesn't use it, and he doesn't want to. His opponent here, Bruno Ferreira, is making his debut after winning his first after winning his bout on Contender Series, and uh, they needed an opponent to step in and fight Gregory Rodriguez. And this is a massive, massive opportunity for him. You know, not very often do guys coming off Contender Series get an opportunity against someone who is in that top twenty, top twenty-five range of a division but that is exactly what Bruno Ferreira has right here um, on his contender series about he won in the first round the majority of his resume is knockouts early in fights with that being said it's not like he's some super technical striker uh, just a guy with a lot of power who is willing to take one to give one and when he gives one it's usually more impactful in comparison to his opponents, and he wins. Um, so this is really going to be two... This is probably going to be fight of the night, right? If I had to bet on fight of the night, this would be a good bet. There's some other fights, too, that could win fight of the night, but I think this is going to be going to be a fight of the night contender. 
Um, ultimately, I think Bruno Ferreira hits Gregory Rodriguez a lot. I think Gregory Rodriguez hits Bruno Ferreira a lot. But at the end of the day, I, I think we do see a Rodriguez style of fight that we've seen in the past where he takes damage, doesn't get tired, doesn't get knocked out, and somehow his opponent gets tired and he knocks them out and, and they just quit. You know, that is what Chidi and Jokowani did. Chidi and Jokowani was beating the crap out of Gregory Rodriguez and he was doing a lot of really good uh, things. Uh, but ultimately, um, he was not able to get it done. Um, betting, betting wise, this is another fight you don't touch. Right. Um, I don't think this is a fight that you should entertain betting. I I don't think that Gregory Rodriguez is that good of a parlay piece. At minus three twenty five, I'm looking at guys like Burns, Moises, um, Stamen, and I think was that the last one? Yeah. Those types of fighters, in my opinion, are all better parlay pieces. We'll talk about some of them later. Um, but I'm not going to be willing to um, bet Gregor Rodriguez at minus 325. And I, I think there are better parlay pieces that you can find out there. Um, I, I do think he wins the fight, like I said. Um, but I'm just not laying that amount of money. Gregor Rodriguez by KO plus 110 isn't bad. But I do think, like... That's probably how the fight goes, but what if he decides to use his submissions, right? What if he decides he wants to sub? What if he decides to, you know, go club and sub? I think the sub is a real possibility enough to get me off of that uh, plus 110 um, Gregory Rodriguez to win by knockout line. Will the fight go the distance? No, it won't. Uh, Buck has it put at minus 800. Don't bet that either. Right, I, I think this is another no bet. I, I haven't even really considered betting on this fight because I think there's a lot of volatility. Um, some people will tell you bet the bet the plus 250 on Ferreira because that is the type of spot where if you can consistently bet guys like in, in matchups like this, if you can consistently be on the side of the guy at plus 250, you will come out on top in the long term. Um, I don't really like to bet like that, though. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but, um, uh, that's not really something that I'm interested in doing is trying to spot every single plus 250, um, and bet every single volatile plus 250 out there. Um, moving on, what do we got next on the card? Tiago Moises and Mezquiel Costa. Um, this, I believe is another short notes replacement, Moises was originally supposed to fight Guram Kutatelatse. That would be a much, much better fight than this. Um, Costa, I don't, I'm almost positive he didn't even fight on Contender Series. Yeah, he does have one fight in the LFA. Um, he's got, uh, he's got, you know, okay, his, Costa isn't a bad fighter. Probably UFC caliber fighter, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know that much about him. Doing tape study here was not really my first priority. I'm looking at fights later down the line that I think are more intriguing. In terms of film study, this was not one of them. And the reason I, I didn't really put much effort in, in film studying this one, I'm not going to bet on anyone that 
is fighting Tiago Moises in their UFC debut. Um, you can look at Tiago Moises's resume and you know see the 16 and six and be down on him. But this guy is, you know, 5-4 and four in the UFC, not great. Um, losses to Islam Makhlchev, Joel Alvarez, Benil Daryush, and Demir Ismagulov. You know, three of those four guys. You know, Alvarez isn't terrible, right? That's not the best loss, but I think he ultimately just got caught there. And he could get caught again, you know. That's possible here. Um, but ultimately, this is not the type of guy that you should be making your UFC debut against. And that's not Costa's fault. Um, but I am not overly optimistic that he can get the job done. And additionally, Moises is 27 years old. So he's still improving too. Um, so I'm not betting against Moises in this spot and I'll take him to win by decision. Not confident there. I almost said submission, but we're going to go decision. And just scrolling around um, Moises' topology page, it's surprising how many guys he was an underdog against. Um, plus 185 against Alexander Hernandez. Plus 255 against Bobby Green. Um, minus 120 against Michael Johnson. Not an underdog, but pretty noticeable um closer than it should be plus 175 against Ismagulov lost minus 125 against Kurt Holabaugh that doesn't have a line this probably doesn't minus 260 there in the LFA um a lot of interesting lines there sorry I get distracted sometimes um but if you were to bet on shout out to anyone who got on that plus 255 spot against Bobby Green um, that was a nice nice bet. Like I said, um, I'm on the side of Moises. Um, I'll, I'd put Mo Moises at plus or at minus 430. Um, that's in a parlay. And then ultimately it's do you like Moises by points or sub plus plus 180 on each side. Um, double chance doesn't give you any value at minus. actually that's not bad at all. That Moises by TKO or submission. So basically him to get a finish. Oh, TKO or submission. There we go. K or what? I'm losing. Oh, submission or points is minus 230. Crap. I thought we had something there, but I read the bets wrong. Um, will the fight go the distance? Minus 200 on the no. Plus 134 on the yes. Fight to go the distance, yes, 134. That might be something there. Um, I didn't have it on the bed sheet before, though, so we're not going to rush it in here um, in the middle of the podcast. Anyways, um, I think you guys get a good understanding where I stand on this fight. I think... Uh, Moises wins. I think he wins comfortably. I'll take him by decision. Um, now, moving on. Bonfim versus Gabriel Bonfim versus Munir Lezez. Uh, Bonfim, I really like the Bonfim brothers. Um, I think they're both very, very good. Good jabs, good boxing, good strikers. A lot of positives from both Bonfim brothers. They're both pretty young as well. 
Um, I like the Bond Fiend Brothers. I really do. This is a situation here where I think it's just too much too soon, right? I think Munir Lezez is not an entry-level UFC opponent. Um, I think this is an opponent where if you win dominantly in your first UFC bout, you get Munir Lezez. Um, but we haven't seen that dominant win yet from Gabriel Bonfim. And this is a stylistic matchup where Lezez is a good kickboxer in his own right. This is going to be a very good technical kickboxing bout. I think this is going to be a close fight. Um, but I will take the experience of Munir Lezez um, in this fight. And that's not me saying I don't like Bonfim. I just think that this is not the, the spot here um, to make his UFC debut. Um, I think down the line he will be very, very good. But I, I think right now, tomorrow, in this fight, I think that Munir Lizaz is going to be the one that wins. I think he will be a little bit better at length um, than Bonfim as well. So... With that being said, I'm taking Munir Lezez to win straight up. So I'm going to also take him at plus 136 as well. I think this is a fairly simple concept, right? I think he's going to win. So I'm going to take him if they if they're giving me plus money on him. That's um, not much more for me to think about there. Um, close fight. Close, close fight. I think the line should be closer, right? If this was, you know, spread, you know, that'd be ideal. I think Muna, I think Lezaz, um, you know, he may lose this fight, but I do ultimately think it will be a close fight. And in that type of close fight, I like the UFC experience. So my play here, betting-wise, plus 136. Um, I haven't even looked at the other plays, um, but I, I don't really see the need to bet anything else other than that. Um, Bonfim by submission is plus 210. That is strange. You know, he's not really like an elite grappler. I don't think. And I'm, unless I'm missing something here. He's a very good boxer. His stand-up is what I like. Um, I might take him by KO at plus 440. Jeez. No, I'm not doing that. They'll get you. These sports books know what they're doing with the methods of victories, and they will get you. So don't play with them too much, right? Um, what's the over in that fight? We didn't talk about the over. I do think whatever the over is, I think it goes over. Um, haven't even seen it yet. What do we have? Total rounds. Set it two and a half. Two and a half at plus 122. Am I tripping? Am I not thinking about the same fight as everybody else here? Um, whew, I might take the, I don't like putting two bets on the same fight, so I'm not going to take it. But the over plus the over two and a half at plus one twenty two is a pretty pretty good shot there. I, I think that may be a play. This this I am taking. Like I said, I'm taking the Lizaz to win by decision um, against Gabriel Bonfine. Now, uh, one of the more interesting fights on the card, Jelton Almeida versus Shamil Abdurakimov is up next. This, I think, is a pretty straightforward fight. Uh, Jelton Almeida is the real deal. 
He's as good as he is billed to be. At heavyweight, I, I am a little bit concerned about the physical strength, but I do think his athleticism is where it needs to be. He's going to be so much more athletic than every single heavyweight that he fights. Strength-wise, that is kind of a concern. But the thing is, he has such good technique, and he is very physically strong, right? He's not a small uh Two, I think he weighed in around 230. He's not a small guy at 230 pounds. Um, very, very muscular. And the, the thing about this is, in terms of physical strength, Jelton Almeida also has very good technique to the point where he doesn't need to be as physically strong, right? Uh, the things that he does good is, is he gets a tight waist very well, and he controls wrists very well, and he has good grip strength, it appears. But when you are able to use those techniques you don't need to be some physically dominant guy when you have lights out technique. So I think Almeida has the technique to where he doesn't need to be the strongest guy in every single fight because he can work around that with his technique. So um, once this gets to the ground, I do think he's just going to blast double, take Shamil down. Uh, once this fight gets to the ground, I think he slowly passes guard. Um... And eventually, eventually he'll get to the back. It just depends on does he get does he get it in the open mat? Does he get it up against the fence? How does he get the takedown? Um, but ultimately, I do think he takes the back and, and lands a rear naked choke here, and I think he gets it done in the first round. My play here, um, initially, I was going to take Almeida to win uh, by submission in the first round. I know that is aggressive, right? You can't bet the minus one thousand and 50 right that's one of the biggest lines you see in mma ever doesn't get much higher than that but um my initial was um almeida by submission in the first round at minus 125 but that method of victory that they're throwing out there is almeida um by submission just any round minus 150 so i'm going to give up the 25 points there and just take him by submission at minus 150 I do think he could get a KO or TKO here, but that would be if he gets on top and, and just lands ground and pound until the ref uh, pulls him off, similar to what he did against uh, Danilo Marquez, or if you did not watch that fight, what Islam Makhlchev did to Bobby Green. I think we could see that type of TKO. Um, but uh, from what we've seen, I think he does lean towards getting that submission, so I think that will be what he attempts to land here so i will take jelton almeida to win by submission and i will bet that at minus 150 as well moving on next fight on the card we have luan lasarda versus cody stammen um this is this is an interesting fight um Lasarda is a longtime teammate of Jose Aldo, um, but in all honesty, I, I do really like Cody Stammen in this spot. Um, when you're looking at the skills that Luan Lasarda has, I don't think he really has the skills needed to go out there and take out Cody. Um, the things that he does well, right? On um, his biggest skills are his jujitsu, his submissions. But Cody, you know, has only lost by submission twice in his career. And those two times have been against Saeed Nurmagomedov, uh, one of the best submission artists in that division, and Aljamain Sterling, the champion. Right. Um, just because Lasarda has good submission skills does not mean that he will be able to do what those guys have done. 
on the feet. Cody's going to be the better boxer. I believe he should be able to land strikes on the inside. Lasarda does have some good kicks, but he is not a well-rounded out striker. So I do think that Stamen will be able to control this fight, avoid submissions. Um, I don't think he gets taken down on. Um, I, I do think he avoids, you know, those few dangerous spots from Lasarda and coasts his way to a decision victory. Like I said, um, Stamen is in parlays for me. He's one of my parlay pieces this weekend. Um, that's one of my parlay guys. Um, now, um, let's see some of the other lines here. Um, I do think Stamen by points at minus 140 is the play. I think that is a pretty good line if you're getting it down from minus 400 to uh, minus 140. Um, uh, so I do like that. I will not be betting it. Um, I just don't see the need to. I'm not, you know, itching to get minus 140 um, props for a, a fighter to win by a method of victory. I know that is right after I took Almeida to win by submission, but um, Almeida is a far better fighter than Cody Stimmon. So that's the play there. Um, have we won, run through everyone that I have in the parlay? Yes, we have. So I've got a plus 105 parlay. It's nothing crazy. Four favorites. Um, Almeida to win by submission or knockout. Gilbert Burns to win. Um, Tiago Moises to win. Who was the other fighter I had to win? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, guys. I forgot. Let's let's go through this card. Gilbert Burns to win. And there goes this. Gilbert Burns to win. Moises to win. Cody to win. And Almeida to win by finish. So I said all of those, but I counted wrong and thought we were at three, not four. I'm an idiot. Um, that's sitting around plus 100 or so. Um, that's the that's the parlay that I've got this weekend. It's nothing crazy, um, but ultimately I, I wasn't. Um, I don't think this was a good weekend for constructing parlays. I don't think. Um, I don't think a lot of the guys who are sitting in that minus 100 to minus 200 range that you typically can build a strong parlay around. I don't think a lot of those guys are out there this week. So I don't think it's a good parlay weekend, but that is the parlay that I have. Um, you could also throw Jamal Hill at the end of that parlay and hedge with Glover Teixeira if you get to the fifth leg. That is a possibility, but I would like that line to be a little bit higher than plus 114 if I am going to employ that um, strategy, which I do like to do. Um, but ultimately, I don't think this is the week for that. All right, we ran through that pretty quick. Um, we got to get through the rest of this card. Good grief, we're at an hour and 12 minutes. That's not good. How many fights we've got left? Four fights. We're going to get through these quick. Terrence McKinney and Ishmael Bonfim. Um, Bonfim, very similar to the other Bonfim brother. Um, this is going to be an interesting matchup because Terrence McKinney, you don't really know what you're going to get. Is Terrence McKinney going to go out there and try and knock out Ismael Bonfim until he tires? Is he going to go out there and just wrestle him until he gets a submission? Both of those are outcomes. 
um, off the back of the KO one. Does he land the KO or does he get tired and then get KO'd himself? Um, you'd never really know with Terrence McKinney. It's almost impossible to say. And that's why I'm not even going to discuss betting on this fight because if you bet on Terrence McKinney fights, you are crazy. If you do bet on this fight, you should be betting um, Bonfim at plus money. I believe he's plus 140-something. Let me check. Um, Bonfim's only plus 100, so I think that swung in his favor quite a bit. So he is getting action there. But if Bonfim wins this fight, it's going to be simple. He's going to avoid those big, powerful shots. Um, he's going to land some counters. Terrence is going to tie her out, and then Bonfim is going to finish him. Um, that's the... That's what happens if Bonfim wins. I think McKinney is. I think McKinney will be able to land at least one shot that gets the knockout. So I will be taking McKinney by knockout in the first round. Um, not confident enough to bet it just because Terrence McKinney is such a wild card. Um, I, I like the guy, but it's not the type of fighter that you want to bet on just because you don't always know what you're going to get. You know, Terrence McKinney could be the best. He could literally be the best fighter in the world on any given day. He could go out there and land a big enough shot to put out Islam Makhlchev. Would I pick that to happen? Absolutely not. But he could. That it technically could happen. He's got a puncher's chance in every single fight. But at the same time, he could lose to the worst fighter on the roster if he doesn't land that punch. Um, or if he doesn't look to wrestle. Um, so the volatility, like, like I said earlier... I'm not out here trying to look, but or excuse me, I'm not out here trying to bet on volatile fights. Terrence McKinney is the poster boy for volatile fights, um, so I will not be betting it, but I will be picking McKinney to win. Warley Alvarez versus Nicholas Dalby. Um, Warley Alvarez is a volatile fighter, right? Um, and I'm going to pick him in this fight, and I'm going to bet on him. I once again buried the lead, but. Um, Simply put, I, I do think the best version of Warley Alvarez is a lot better than the best version of Nicholas Dalby. Um, it, it, plus, Warley Alvarez is a little bit younger. Dalby is starting to get up there in age. And I, I like what Alves can do, right? He is a very, very good and very underrated grappler. And on the feet, he's got a lot of power in his hands. Um, finish Munir Lezdez with body kicks, right? Um, lots of power, you know, and, and going back to the submissions, he submitted Colby Covington. He can do a lot of really good work. So I do think he wins this fight and I, I'm going to take him by KO in the second round. And I will be betting him at minus 125. Um, I heard this was a little bit higher earlier in the week. Um, I, I heard that at some point, all these was plus, um, um, I heard that he was plus 125 at one point. If you got in at that point, congratulations to you. I, I, I do think the skill difference here is big enough to where I like Warley Alvarez and uh, um, Nicholas Dalby is a fighter that I would look to fade. So I will be taking Alves here, and, and I am comfortable laying that minus 128 price tag. Josian Nunez versus Zoram Farron. Um, the biggest story of this fight is the height difference, right? Um, let me get the tail of the tape up here, but the height difference is astounding. Um, 5'2 on the side of Nunez and 5'8 on the side of Zoran Farron, um, but I do think she is actually a little bit taller than that. With that being said, Farron isn't, that, isn't really that good of a fighter, um, doesn't have that good of a ground game. 
and Josie and Nunez has rocks for hands. I think Nunez gets in the pocket and just swings over hands um, until she lands a knockout. I'll say knockout round two. Um, I do think Zarin could give her some trouble. I do think she could, you know, for example, use Muay Thai clinch. That would be a good opportunity um, to where that size is such an advantage. Um, but at the same time, if 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 Nunez is struggling against something like a tie clinch, I think she could just pressure in, get the fight up against the cage, get a, get a takedown, because as Farron is big, she's not good on the ground, so I think Nunez has better power um, and is better on the ground. That's a bad combo. I will take her to win, and betting-wise, you know, I'm not really breaking any news because she is a minus 550 favorite. Um, I'm not betting on the props on the second fight on the card it's just not the best way to go about go about things um <sighs> noon has to win by ko at minus 120 isn't bad but at the same time it's not good either um so i won't be putting my money there last fight on the card daniel marcos versus simon Oliveira. um i do have a play here I'm on the underdog of Marcos, and this has turned very quickly off of breakdown and then prediction and then betting to just betting breakdown predictions, and we kind of got all jumbled up here, but you're along for the ride, and I think it makes it go a little bit quicker when we're already a couple hours in. Um, anyways, Marcos Oliveira. I like Marcos. Um, I think that Marcos is going to be a consistent UFC fighter in a while for a while um, I think he's got UFC caliber striking great leg kick great jab and he digs to the body those are three traits that I like to see and for someone fighting at, at this caliber of fight right this is the first fight um, on the card for a reason these guys are not main card fighters um, Marcos in his UFC debut Oliveira second UFC fight 0-1 in the promotion um, and the side of Oliveira, he's a lot more wild, right? He'll throw spinning stuff. He will um, jump gilly. He has a great guillotine, but if you don't land the guillotine, you are on bottom. And in this fight, um, I, I just lean the fundamentals over the craziness, over the wild output. I think that this is a situation where if Oliveira is too wild, um, Marcos will tire him out quick, will land the leg kick, will really beat on him until Oliveira is gassed, and then he's gassed and hurt, and then Marcos is pouring on with pressure. Um, so I, this is a spot where I like Marcos, because I do think that more fundamental fighter is able to get the job done here. Um, that doesn't mean Oliveira can't win, because he can. He can find a submission. He can land that guillotine. It's not like it's an impossible task, but ultimately that is just not the way that I see this fight going. I think that Marcos stays safe. Um, will landing some some shots and, and doing damage. So I will take Daniel Marcos in this fight. And similar to the Lazette's fight, I'm picking him straight up to win this fight. And he's also sitting at plus 122 on the money line. I think he's going to win, and he is an underdog. Um, so I will bet him uh, in this spot. And that's the last fight we had to talk about. Did I spend too much too much time doing this and spend too much time talking? Yes, I did. Um, if you want to see me do it again, I'll be back in two days because this is Friday night, right? It's a late Friday night, and this definitely will not be up 
on Friday night. This will be up sometime on Saturday. Even if it's early in the morning on Saturday, it physically does not have enough time to download and be uploaded to YouTube um, to get it up on Friday. Anyways, that's not important. Um, I'll be back doing this again on um, on Sunday after the fights. Um, we'll be talking about who fighters should fight next, who who looked good, you know, what I saw from, you know, my eyes, what did my eyes tell me during the fights, you know, what did I see, how did fighters win, things of that nature are things that we will be discussing. Um, I may gather a few news points as well, not 100% sure yet, um, I, I covered a lot and talked about a lot of news last week, so we may not do as much news this week, um, regardless we'll we'll figure out what's out there and we'll be here talking for a while on sunday so make sure you tune into that but most importantly thank you for watching this episode of the head kick ko podcast goodbye oh he front kicked him in the face kevin lee with the ultimate oh.